what is up everybody welcome back to diamond talk yo today we have some oh, all right let's not let's not kill the lead here look we have another no hitter like i know we kind of say this in jest but it's we're barely joking anymore we really do have another no hitter uh we also have some hall of fame coaches making some pretty some questionable decisions and some questionable rhetoric we'll get into that too a little bit uh the the game's biggest star well the game's best player has gone down with injury, and that makes two of the best players in the last couple weeks, which isn't good for baseball. But yo, anyway, yo, Rob, Nick, you guys are here. How are you guys doing today? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm doing good. And yeah, like you said, this is going to be for sure the year of the no-hitter. Whether we keep getting one a week or, or anything like that, either way, I think this is probably going to end up being one of the craziest no-hitter years in baseball history. I'm doing good, man. Can't wait to talk about this no-hitter. Another one. Ready for it. DG Khalid in the house with another one. So let's get it. Yo, start us off then. Let's get right into the no-hitter, man. What you got for us? Yo, I mean, unfortunately happening is the Mariners again, which is kind of a sad joke at this point. But uh, Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers. Of all teams, the Tigers threw a no-hitter. I guess that's the only way that they can win since they don't have any offense. Uh, but, man, it was, it was a good one. Uh, I believe nine strikeouts, two walks. He was in control the whole time. I only got to see the highlights. I didn't watch the game uh, because the day of I had a lot going on. Just couldn't sit down to watch it before we recorded. But it's <clears throat> he's a good pitcher, but he's not a no-no kind of guy. So this is one of those no-hitters where you're going to look back and almost it's just it's in the history books, but you're not really going to remember him. Um, there really wasn't anything special about it as opposed to the other ones this year. I mean, uh Rodones was broken up over a hit Batman that maybe could have gotten out of the way. There was a drop third strike for to avoid the perfect game for John Means. There's a seven inning no hitter. Like all the no hitters this year had a storyline. This one's just kind of bleh. And if it would have been the first one of the year, there definitely would have been more hype around it. But because it's number five or six, depending on how you look at the seven inning no hitter, uh, this is just kind of another one in the book. So I'm hoping that this streak continues because. I truly believe the changes they did to the ball this year in dropping it down to two grams, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's kind of silly that MLB changes the ball all three years they've owned Rawlings, and they went this year to try to change the ball to, uh, I don't want to say limit offense in a per, per se, but they did it to kind of speed up the game what they thought. But, man, they just truly helped the pitchers. Having a lighter ball, even by two grams, just allows – the average fastball could be faster and they added the seams back a little bit this year compared to last year. They're not as suppressed and that adds movement to pitchers. And they tried to last year and 19 in 2019, what they did, the ball uh, decreased the drag on it. So hitters got to hit the ball farther because there was less drag on the ball. It also lowered the pitchers movement on their pitches because of the drag. And now that they reduced the drag or they increased the drag on the ball and made it lighter, it's just giving pitchers all the advantages in the world. And we're seeing a ton of pitching advantages this year. And I don't know if the league is going to bounce back. So we could be on a record pace for no hitters. We definitely are. The most no hitters thrown in a given year, I believe, was seven ever. And it's in the modern era since 1900. It's been only six. And we're already at five or six, depending on how you look at it. They're just looking to smash the record. So we'll see how the year plays out. I love watching no hitter. But this one kind of raises my eyebrow as to how much we really cherish these no hitters this year. Look, here's what I'm saying, man. Look. The Mariners are a bad offensive team. Let's not, let's not, you know, this isn't the first time they've been no hit just this season. So it's, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a better and you want to bet on a low hit game, Mariners are your team. But you, you brought up a lot of good points about the baseball. And it, when you have guys that are, play at the level that these guys play at, right, you have the 1% of athletes, at least when it comes to playing baseball, any little change you you make to the equipment, to the ball, to, to whatever it is, it's gonna make a huge difference, man. The, like you mentioned, the two grams that is that is huge. That, that, that is huge. You can tell. You know, I'm sure the pitchers feel it in their hands. I feel. I know that the that the hitters feel it when it comes off their bat. Like these things have effects, man. Yo, Rob, you got anything on no no hitter here for the fifth straight week? Yeah, you know, I think I think the thing about the the no hitters is, you know, they're happening, they're happening at such an incredible pace, kind of how Nick ju just pointed out, right? But I think the thing that for me at least adds to kind of like that sense of of them being special because you know you could say that they do stop being special 
if they start hap- if they start happening so often, right? And they they kind of lose a little bit of that special touch. But I think the thing that keeps the no-hitter as a very special thing is that if you actually kind of look at recent years, the no-hitters that we've gotten and I'm not I'm not going to, you know, make the claim for no-hitters as a whole because I have I actually haven't taken a look at the numbers entirely, but just looking back at like the last 5 or 6 years, the no-hitter is unpredictable. And I think that's what makes it so great is the fact that it doesn't stick to it doesn't stick to like normal standards of what we consider great pitching, right? Like every every time we come into a baseball season, there's always like your group of five or six guys, your Garrett Coles, your Jacob DeGroms of the world, who you always have position near the top, right? As your Cy Young favorites. These are gonna be the best pitchers in the league. And no hitters are unpredictable. You don't know who's gonna throw a no hitter. Most of the time in recent years, it has not been one of the best pitchers in the league. Right. Like, sure, you have your Justin Verlanders and you have, you know, even like a guy like John Means, who's kind of turning into that, you know, ace level pitcher, your Lucas Giolitos of the world. But I mean, look at more of your recent guys, your Turnbulls, your Miley's um, a few years back, your Alec Mills. So, a lot of these guys are kind of your lower end of the rotation guys. And I think that's one of the things that keeps no hitters special is that it kind of gives those guys with with either those guys that haven't really, you know, established themselves or, you know, kind of those vets that have been around the game for like a really long time, but aren't really ace level guys, you know, they're the ones that are out there kind of putting up the, these no hit performances. And so I think in that sense, it, it's going to keep the the no hitter still a, as a special thing for me. But definitely, like Nick also mentioned, it is going to get a bit alarming if if the pace kind of keeps up, right? Because I'm, I, I'm pretty sure if the pace keeps up the way it's been going, again, not saying that it's going to, we're going to get one every week, but I think if the pace keeps up the way it's going, we're probably going to be sitting here next season kind of having a similar conversation to the one that we were having in recent seasons, you know, talking about like, are the balls juiced and, and are, you know, the home run numbers being up and everything like that. I think we might see it starting to go the other way for pitchers. One of the things that I kind of want, want to talk about just because it feels like every year we have a new wrinkle to this conversation and it's about the historical aspect of what's happening. So over the last few years, it's been on the offensive side of the ball where we, we've seen home runs at an incredible pace where the home run record gets broken every year, the strikeout record gets broken every year, uh, both for hitters and pitchers. You know, At what point do we have to tell ourselves you know, how we reevaluate this game? Because you know, there's part of baseball's allure for many people is that kind of ability to to compare great players, right? So the Mike Trout's to the Mickey Mantles, the Hank Aaron's to whoever's bopping home runs home runs today at that pace. Like it's always been one of those conversational pieces, and for me, it just seems like there's been so much drastic change over the last decade in just the way that we play the game itself, that we kind of have to add that to the analysis in a way that we probably haven't had before. And I know we've had some other historical changes throughout time, right? It's not like baseball's stayed the same until 2010. But, yo, I'll kick it to you, Nick. When you think about the historical stuff happening and and the way we should look at it, what are your kind of opinions on that? Uh, it's got to be in context. And baseball, as I said last week, is a very cyclical, cyclical game where it just it keeps coming around and – uh, we're talking about how it's maybe going towards the pitcher, but in reality, over the last decade, this is only the sixth highest ranked season in runs per game over the last decade. And if you go back even farther, this ranks right in the middle, even even more towards the hitters uh, with the runs per game. And when you say offense, there's a lot of different ways to perceive offense. I perceive offense as how many guys are scoring, how many runs are going across the plate. And this season, even though it feels very pitcher heavy, when you're just talking about runs that cross the plate, this is a very average season. It's not very high. It's not very low. And when you think about it historically in that context, we're seeing crazy pitching performances. We're seeing crazy stats as far as strikeouts, low batting averages, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the actual part of the game, who scores the most runs? This is a very average season, and there's a lot that can be said to that. It could be the ball. It could be pitchers getting better, throwing harder. It could be the 60-game season from last year, and guys are still out of rhythm. There's so many things to be said, but when you look at it historically, I think that 
the number of runs per game is right there where it should be, but it feels a lot lower and it feels like the offense is a lot lower because of number one, the strikeouts are way, way, way up, way up, almost an entire strikeout higher than it was just five years ago. In fact, it literally is 1.2 strikeouts per game higher than it was just five years ago. So the strikeouts are way up, which that's a big part of the offense feeling stagnant and pitchers feeling dominant because it's all done at home plate. There's not even a ball put in play. I've been talking a while, especially with close friends, about how does Major League Baseball effectively influence the game to not just go for the home run because the home run is what pays guys money. And as the league sees, this is an average year for runs. How do you go to actually influence the game to have better batting averages, have less strikeouts? And that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother conversation. But that is what is perceived right now is that offense is down because the number of strikeouts and the game feels very slow because it's almost all done at home plate. It's either a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. You don't see the ball put in play like you used to. You don't see the defense moving around. And I think that is what people need to realize in the higher-ups of MLB. If they really want to bring fans back at a new level and really increase this game, is they need to realize that the game, the small ball, the ball put in play, the defensive shifts, or sorry, not the defensive shifts, but the way the defense moves without a shift, all of that is what makes the game feel better to every fan. And they've really gotten away with that with the home run fly ball, or sorry, the home run strikeout or walk three true outcomes thing. If they can truly find a way to endorse and actually get guys to try to hit the ball rather than just hit it over the fence, this game will see a whole new level because people are thirsting to want baseball. Old fans want to see the old game back, and the old game will actually make the game feel better to the new fans. So that's kind of, that's kind of crazy, right? Because baseball keeps, to, to your point, keeps changing things in, in an effort to in, increase the way people view the game, but it hasn't really been helping, right? Like, there's been no data that's been released that says that now that there's more home runs, there's more fans at the stadium. I think it's the opposite, actually. I think less people are, are showing up to the stadiums themselves. Uh, and less people are watching, and there's also less people listening. There, there you go. There you go. So, so, you know, whatever they're trying to do, it's a, it's an ill effect. And, look, my, my take on it is, look, this is the least athletic baseball has ever been in its history. And I don't mean the the players. I think we have the most athletic players we've had in history, right? We have some people doing amazing things. Man, look, just watch me drool over Otani, and and you'll and you'll and you can just see that. But as far as what we ask players to do, it is, it is just not something that, that that's, that's watchable right now, right? Like, man, like Taylor Trammell right now, he's killing it in the minor leagues, right? He, I feel like he had a home run every game he's played this year. But Taylor Trammell can do so much more than hit home runs. You know, he's a guy who I want to see have to make a play on a ball, right? And if we're, if we're in a game where, you know, it's either over his head, over the wall, or really he's not making a play on it, you're missing out on watching some of the best athletes in the world do their craft. And I think the, the shift has a lot to do with it. I think the rules around baseball have a lot to do with it. And it, it's getting it's getting kind of weird, right? Like, it's – look, I, I love baseball. And even though I say, you know, there's probably a time where I'll stop watching baseball. It's probably not true because every time season comes around, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm really excited about this. But, you know, at times it is hard to watch. It, it, it is hard to watch sometimes just because, you know, it does get a, it does get a little bit of, okay, there hasn't been a ball put in play for the last three innings. But anyway, yo, Rob, man, I'll kick it to you, right? And, and, and same kind of question. When, when you think about the historical context and where we're at, how we should compare this to the past, do you think we're going in the right direction as far as, as a sport? Do you think this is a, isn't about us at all and it's really more about, about those teenagers and those kids growing up right now? Like, what's your thought on all that stuff going on? You know, that's that's a that's honestly a tough one just to give a straight answer to. I think that I think the game is kind of just just kind of evolving on, on its own, and I think that there's a lot of elements in the game that are still, you know, gonna gonna stick around. But um, I think we're just seeing an overall evolution. I think I think there's gonna be new things that are that are introduced, but you're seeing players you're seeing players kind of go out there. And kind of bring in, um, I, I, I guess I would say a, a new vibe to the, to the game overall. So, I'm to be honest, I'm not even really sure how to give an answer to that one because it's just, uh, 
I think there are things. Uh, I think there are things from the game that you just have to keep in place. But I think experimentation is also good, right? I think that's why we're seeing probably guys like we saw the move with Theo Epstein, right? Where like Theo Epstein moved into the front office, um, into a higher front office position um, within MLB, and he's been talking about wanting to experiment and try out, you know, new things and, and things like that. I think the way that the game is kind of heading. I think they're kind of just open to trying a lot of different things. That's why, that's why, you know, I had pointed out like where, where, where before we were talking about so many home runs, this and that. Now we're talking about, yo, what's up with all these no hitters. Right. So I think they're kind of trying MLB's kind of looking at every possible Avenue that they have to kind of maintain, you know, ratings, fans um, coming to the ballpark, you know, at, at ratings for the MLB have, have been going down in, in, you know, recent years from what they were before. But if you compare, you know, 2021 to 2020, the ratings for this year are up. And, and you know, I, we can attribute that to a lot of different things. But, you know, I think MLB as a whole is just looking for, for ways to, to kind of improve on their ratings and kind of maintain the fan base that they've always had while also captivating a new, a new audience, right? And I think it's the difficulty there is finding that balance, and I don't. I don't think MLB has gotten to that point yet, but I can only hope that they, that they do get to that point. But it's it's going to be a tough one. It it sucks, man. It and I'll be honest with you. Like right now, we I, I know right. I probably this is probably the oldest I've ever sounded, as far as my take on on, on baseball and what's happening, right? But you know, if the game is trying to market to 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 younger players and stuff like that, I think they're missing the ball on it because. You know, I do a little bit of, uh, of coaching and stuff like that, and the number of kids that want to play baseball decreases every year. And, you know, it's, it's, for, it's for a lot of reasons, right? But the, the, the truth is, like, the biggest stars in the world no longer play baseball, right? I remember growing up where Derek Jeter, King Griffey Jr., you know, these guys were, were names in everybody's household, right? For, for the most part, you know, you had – and maybe it was just where we're from too, right? We, you know – but for the most part, baseball in some, at some point or another was being talked about. Now I feel like that's hard to find, right? Now I feel like it's like LeBron James takes over every news cycle, which you know also it's it's a, it's a problem with like the with the ESPNs and and the, you know Fox News Fox FS1s of the world, right? But that's what brings the ratings in. But they don't even try to to you know show other aspects, especially not when it comes to baseball. But you know, look, let's let, let's keep it kind of old school here and. Yo, Tony La Russa. It's almost so. You know, let, let's draw. Let's draw you what happened the other night. Um, his team was beating the crap out of the Twins because the Twins are a terrible team now, apparently. And ninth inning, they had El, La Tortuga pitching, and he's out there throwing 65 mile power snowballs at, at hitters. And late in the game, the game was over. Yerman Yerman Mercedes he, he homers on a 3-0 pitch. They're already up like nine runs, and you know, the next day they asked Tony Lucia about it. He's like, "Hey, look," uh, he essentially said, "I do not like that. He he should not have swung at that. He will be disciplined uh, internally." Uh, you know, later came out that he did give him a take sign, so so there's that wrinkle to it. But anyway, this has kind of uh, created a little bit of an uproar within the SAW community, and I'm sure about fans around the world. I'm not, it's, it's a topic on MLB tonight and stuff like that. But anyway, yo, I'll stick with you, Rob. I know that we're in this in this new, in this generation now where it's about like, yo, show out, show, show what you got. But do you see anything wrong, or what do you see wrong with what Tony La Russa did? He, should he have handled that differently? What would you have liked to see from a fan perspective? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I think it was it was kind of mentioned a little bit um, when, when we were discussing it before. I I don't have an issue with Tony LaRusso's opinion on the matter. I just have an issue with with the way that he handled it publicly, because he you know, if we're going to praise Tony LaRusso for being a veteran manager and knowing how to handle, you know, his business, essentially, then he has to be aware of of the optics of the situation. Right. The way that he made the comments that he made, um, I don't know, like the last set of comments that he made kind of made it seem like he was okay with his players getting hit. Um, and, that, and that's just coming from like a general sense, right? Like me, who's someone who consistently watches baseball, might have a different take on it. But like like a general, uh, like a casual person watching baseball, that I, I don't think that's necessarily the best look. 
in terms of the 3-0 count thing, man, look, I honestly don't – I mean, what, what do you want me to say here? I, I don't have an issue with it because it's like I understand both sides of it. We all – all three of us – all three of us on this podcast know that there are unwritten rules to the game of baseball. But obviously we've been seeing in recent years there there is a new wave of players that are trying to – I mean, for for lack of a better term, you know, inject some life into this into this game. You know, Base, baseball more than often is viewed as the boring sport because it is. If you compare it to basketball, if you compare it to football, you know, here here in America, like it is, it is. But I think we're 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 getting that new wave of players who are who are trying to bring that in, that excitement, and they keep hitting a brick wall every time they try to take that next step to kind of further the game and move it towards a a a route that makes it more overall enjoyable for the fan because let's be real the every the the daily fan the everyday fan is not going to really care about unwritten rules like they're just not um i i know that there are some unwritten rules that all players still abide by and and stuff like that which is why i said right like you're still going to have managers and and players alike in the game today who still kind of have that mentality and want to abide by those rules but unfortunately, you're also going to have the new wave of players, the new young guys that are going to continue to come up. And, you know, whether whether it's the African-American players or the Latino players coming up, you know, they they do bring a a new a new uh, like fresh blood to the game. Like, it's just like I, I don't know, like it they bring excitement that wasn't there before. And I don't understand why every time that they keep trying to to push the game forward, they're always kind of met with someone trying to stop them. And I don't know, the whole thing is just getting kind of a bit annoying at this point. So, one of the points I got to bring up, right? Because someone says, uh, like, you know, you're not the first person to say inject life into the game. I don't, so so here's just my thing. I don't know how much life that necessarily injected into the game. Like, if we, if this didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking about it, right? If there wasn't controversy behind it, we wouldn't be talking about the, the home run at all. Because it wasn't really an exciting home run. You're up fucking nine, like, nine runs and... The, the one the one point that I like that has been said out there is the fact that it's like hey look he's he's a, he's a, a dude in his rookie year he's 28 years old he doesn't have a lot of time in his career right like if everything goes according to plan in your Mercedes career he's playing until he's 40 so that's like what 12 seasons you don't have a lot that's not a lot of time to, to do a lot of damage but it, it's such a weird place and you, look you're, you're you're right look I don't think anyone here misunderstands what what what, what was happening right it, I, I don't even think it's one of those things where it's like a I don't really even think that so, so much about like an unwritten rule. The, the part that gets me is, look, Larusa, and I didn't find this out until a little bit after. If Larusa gave him a take sign and he ignored it, that's different than if this dude just went out on his own and, and said, "Hey, cool, three I'll swing at it." Right? Those are two different things. I have a problem with it if Larusa gave him the sign and he said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna swing." Right? Like that's that's a little bit selfish. That's a little bit playing for yourself. But if he didn't, and he was just homering, I, f- I have no problem with it, man. Yo, Nick, I'll kick it to you, dude, because I know you probably have some some good insights about this stuff, too. Um, what is your take on this? So, number one, if you're going to swing 3-0, you better fucking hit a home run. And he did. Number two, hitting a 65-mile-an-hour pitch over the fence in Major League Baseball is really impressive. Now, I'm going to go both sides, because I truly understand both sides of this. And to your point, Daniel... The, the fact that Larusa put a take sign on is it really, if you don't understand baseball, listen up. If you told your hitter to take the next pitch and they don't, that, that's not an unwritten rule. That's a written rule in every job profession there is in the world. Your boss said do this. You didn't do it. That's not good. That's just basic stuff. Now, I see the player side of it as far as let's make it fun. Let's, you know, if I see a pitch I like, let me swing at it. Let me hit a home run. I don't care how many runs were up. They could always score that many later in the game. I see that side of it and I do agree with it. The thing with injecting life into the game comment, uh, not from Rob, but just in general is it's not drawing players. Like this flair isn't drawing new fans. It's not drawing the attention of the people they wanted to draw. So if you're going to do this, Find a better way to make sure it actually does what you want it to do, which is get more people to watch you and the game. From the other side of it, the old school baseball side, look, it unwritten rule or not, if you're up that many runs, you don't swing at a 3-0 pitch. You 
it's the idea is to get the pitcher to throw more pitches. Now, in the new game with so many pitchers in the bullpen throwing 100 miles an hour, getting them to throw more pitches may not be the best idea because then you get the next guy in. There's there's so many layers to this, but it all comes down to uh, to Rob's point about you know Tony Larusa being able to do a better job of how he brought this up and the perception of it. I truly trust that Tony Larusa put the take sign on because if he didn't and it was simply just a 3-0 swing just in a regular game with no direction whatsoever I have a feeling Tony Larusa would go to Yerman Mercedes and be like hey man I know you're young I know it's a different game but you don't do that that's very offensive to the other team and it's not written in the rule book but that is one of the things that you just don't do it's a show of disrespect to the other team so don't do that in the future and that's what I think would have happened if Larusa didn't put the take sign on. So I truly believe that he did put the take sign on because that's the only way really to do it is to establish dominance in a public setting and tell all the young guys on the team, look, guys, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to air you out and I'm going to put it on you and not me. And he needs to establish control in the dugout. And he may not have that yet because I think the team was against him going into the season kind of like all of the fans were when he was announced. It's like, oh, that's a bad hire. He's old school. The team's new school. This isn't going to mesh. Well, maybe everybody was right. Maybe they haven't meshed yet, and Larusa doesn't have that dugout, and this is a way of him being able to get that dugout and really say, look, this these are the rules of being able to play here, and this is how this is what you're going to have to do in order to keep playing here. So I, I truly see both sides of it. Yo, it's one of those weird things. Like, I... I'm I'm I think I'm like the minority when I say like I like the Larusa hire right like I I actually did like it and yeah me too I, yeah like and a lot of people hated it and I get it it's a lot, a lot for like the social reasons and because he's kind of an alcoholic and I get it like I'm not out here trying to hire the world's best person right like I want to hire someone that can win me games and for better or worse it's really early on in the season look Chicago's playing pretty fucking good baseball right now you know what I mean like. They, granted, like, best record in all of MLB. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, look, the talent's there, but they've been hurt. Look, Eloy Hernandez, I mean, Eloy, Eloy Jimenez, who's a big bat in the lineup, hasn't been there all year. Luis Robert is out for pretty much all for, for last year. Andrew Vaughn hasn't performed like they thought he was. You know what I mean? You have guys coming out of nowhere like Yerman Mercedes out here. The pitching has been incredible, which is something that we haven't really talked about with Chicago yet, but their pitching staff has been top three possibly in baseball. So, you know, it, it it's one of those things where I think people are looking for reasons to not like things that Tony LaRusso does to begin with, right? Like, so he's going to be, like, under a microscope of, like, pretty much everything he does. Look, I, I don't think it's ridiculous that to say, hey, look, maybe don't hit a home run when you're up nine, and they, they pretty much pull the white flag. And, look, there's a lot more other things that goes into it, right? Because Minnesota did have – bullpen guys who they hadn't thrown yet, right? It wasn't like their bullpen was empty. They pretty much just said, yo, we're waving the white flag. Granted, the hitters were still trying to hit on, on, on Minnesota, right? Because that's all they get paid. So there's a lot of little, like, nuances to, to this whole situation. But I think it's, I just think it's so unfair to say, hey, LaRusse is an old-school guy. He doesn't get it. He's, he's, he's fucking up baseball. Like, there's, there's, there's so much more, more to that, man. So it's like... I don't know, man. It is it, weird, yo, Rob. Did you did you want to say something? I feel like I, I heard yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me just throw let me just throw an added take in here because so um, I just wanted to address two things. So one, just going back to the you know injecting life into the game comment, and I know we're not just focusing on on Yerman Mercedes, but I think you know the thing about drawing fans to the game with with the actions that the players are doing, we still haven't seen what a full representation of that is, right? Because they keep getting blocked. They keep getting blocked. We we haven't seen like these players be able to express themselves fully personality wise because every time that they take the smallest step towards that, we end up having a conversation like this. Whether we're talking about, you know, customizing bats or customizing cleats or, you know, what you're wearing on the field for accessories or or whatever. Like it's just like every single time they try to do anything, like with the whole bat flip thing, like any any time. It turned into a big thing. So it's like, for me, I'd want to see a full representation of what guys like this are trying to do, right? Like your Tatis Juniors of the world, your your Tim Andersons of the world, who's on this team. And and Tim Anderson is perfect to bring up because like you guys were talking about Tony La Russa, Tony La Russa doesn't have the Chicago White Sox locker room. Like he just does not because 
I, I, and this is my opinion. I'm going to go based off Tim Anderson. I view Tim Anderson as the leader of that, of that locker room. I'm not saying Tim Anderson is the best player on the team, but in terms of having a voice in today's game, I think Tim Anderson is the, is, is probably one of the leaders of the Chicago White Sox. And Tim Anderson fully backs Yerman Mercedes. So like he, you know, like the fact that Tim Anderson, and I think also Lance Lynn came out and made a comment about it too. The fact that you have your own players siding with their teammate tells me that La Russa doesn't really have the team. Now, to you, I, I, I kick a question because, you know, can a championship fix things? Because I lean towards it possibly can, right? Like you said, Chicago's playing great baseball. They're number one in the central. Like they're 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 playing they're playing kind of how we expected them to with the limitations that you mentioned, right? They have their injuries, their roster's not not completely what we thought it was gonna be, but they're still going out there and they're winning. They still could very well come out of the American League. I mean, if Tony La Russa goes in there and wins a title in his first year, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to change the conversation on some things. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I, even though they're winning, I don't think this team is still fully bought in. That's a good point. Because, look, the worst part about this for the White Sox for me has nothing to do with what La Russa said or whatever. Like, yeah, like, should he have been saying some of this stuff out loud? I don't know, but you know what? If one thing you can tell about LaRusso is that he wants to establish his own credibility. But you mentioned you mentioned the leadership on, on the White Sox, and it does look like Tim Anderson's kind of the fact of leader. He made statements that pretty much directly say, hey, fuck you, LaRusso. This is the way we play the game now. And that will probably cause a rife in, in, within, within the team itself. The part I don't like about what LaRusso did, and it's not even that I don't like it because it's wrong. I just think it should have came from somebody else. But following following the incident, uh, Tyler Duffy, Mr. I, I, yo, bro, I, can't, I don't even know how Tyler Duffy does a job in line. But he throws at, he throws at your Mercedes the next game. He gets ejected. And then LaRusso after the game says, yo, look, like, I agree with Duffy. You should have thrown Mercedes. I, I probably, he essentially said, I probably would have done the same thing. And... To a lot of people that looked like, hey, look, LaRusso doesn't have Yerman Mercedes back. But the thing is, again, I don't know how fair that is. Because if, if, if you want Tony LaRusso to be real, he's right. I, I agree with LaRusso. Like, yo, look, like, yeah, Yerman Mercedes hit a, hit, a, hit a bomb off them when they were pretty much waving the white flag. Maybe he does deserve to get thrown behind. You know, I, I'll kick that question to you, man. Tyler Duffy, do you think he had a right or do you think... Do you think we're making too much about him throwing at your Mercedes after that? Yeah, I'll start with you, Rob, since it's responding. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of how, like I mentioned, it, it wasn't a surprise to me because I knew what the reaction was going to be. That's why I said it, it, it. For me, it's such a tough answer to give because my mind tends to shift. Even though I've watched baseball for so long, like my mind tends to shift into like a hockey mentality, right? Where like in hockey, you just let the players kind of fight it out. And it turned into a thing where it, you, it, like my answer kind of wants to just be like, let the players kind of figure it out like by themselves. But I don't think that necessarily is the right answer. I don't know. But in terms of, of throwing at, at Mercedes, we all knew that was going to happen. I mean, again, if like I said, if you're going to swing at 3-0, like Nick pointed out, you better hit a home run. But at the same time, if you swung at 3-0, you should probably, and you hit a home run, you should probably expect that the other team is going to throw at you at some point or at one of your teammates, they're going to try to get back at somebody. So uh, to me, it wasn't a surprise. Um, I don't know if it's if it's the right or wrong thing to do. That's that's kind of like how it's always been, right? I, it, it's something that we're talking about it now, but it's something that for a lot of seasons, it's kind of gone unquestioned, right? Like it's the expectation that a pitcher retaliates or something like that. So I don't really know. Uh, it's kind of standing out now more because of this whole, you know, old school, new school conversation. But yeah, it, it wasn't a surprise to me. I kind of, I kind of knew it was coming. And, and look, and here's what I'm gonna say about that too. Look, we say, oh, we want passion. The game's passion. Yo, look, not for nothing. Throwing at somebody because you're angry—that's still passion. There's still emotion behind that. I don't think. Yeah. No, I don't have a problem with it. Like that, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't have a problem with it. I would like. Okay, let me say this. I'll have a problem with it if you're aiming at a, at a dude's face. Right, right. You know, like if you're throwing a fastball at a dude's face, that's another issue. But, like, Big yeah, note. like, they, they threw Mercedes back and stuff like that. You know, like, if you're throwing soft, like, that fastball boom, 
okay, like get a butt cheek or something, you know, like that's that's completely different. But it, it, it's what's it, honestly, it's what's expected in the game of baseball. What's Tyler Duffy throwing here? Isn't he like at ninety two to ninety five, or it might be even lower than that? Yeah, I. But yeah, like not, not the point. But look, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Look, I, look, I'm all for throwing at people. Just like, and you, like you guys mentioned, just don't throw at the head. That that's kind of the no no because that's yeah. that's when you no, get that's like that's totally different. Like you might kill somebody, but yo Nick, I'll I'll toss it yeah. over to you, man. I'm sure you brushed back your uh, fair share of players in your day. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There's especially when they broke an unwritten rule like swinging three zero. Um, man, there's a lot to address right now. So first thing is, yeah, throwing at somebody, yeah, throw. That's that's your plate. You as a pitcher. You can do whatever you gotta do to make sure the pitcher or the hitter is at a disadvantage as long as you don't throw at the head. Like we're all saying. And that's to me, that's the biggest thing that people are missing is if a guy throws at somebody's head and if a pitcher throws at somebody's head on purpose, absolutely F that guy. I hope everybody jumps in with a baseball bat and I hope that guy gets kicked out of the league because that is dirty baseball to a level that should not be even allowed. But throwing at somebody at the hip or in the leg, even in the ribs, all day long. I don't care if it's a Rawlis Chapman throwing 105. I don't care who is out there. If you can control it, and as a pitcher, you can easily control it and not go for the head. Throw it in the dirt before you throw it to the head. You can do that. Uh, moving on from that, uh, Rob asked the question, does a title fix everything? Absolutely it does. Winning solves everything except for Jerry Krause and the Bulls. That's the only thing winning doesn't solve. But yeah, a title fixes this. But it also comes with more questions, and the offseason would be amazing. Did the White Sox win in despite of Tony Larusa, or did they win because of Tony Larusa? Man, does Tony Larusa even have a job if the team is against him, but he wins a title? That offseason would be absolutely wild. Uh, to the question of does Duffy deserve to throw at Mercedes? Yeah, man, I'm sorry. Uh, he does. Mercedes, you should absolutely expect that. And based off what happened before that, you should have expected your coach to say you deserve to get thrown out. Now, the only defense I have for Mercedes or any of the new school guys is the fact that it was not a pitcher on the mound. It was William, or I don't even know his first name, but Astadio, who is a catcher slash first baseman slash crazy triples he's hitter that Swiss weighs 300 knife, pounds. Man. Bro, he is, he is so much more than Swiss. He's a Swiss Army knife and that shovel thing all rolled into one from the Army. But uh, that guy was on the mound. Apparently, he's a pitcher too. So when you go into the unwritten rules... Uh, one of the unwritten rules used to be you don't put a non-pitcher on the mound to throw pitches in a real game. You just don't do it. So I don't know, man. There's so many layers to this individual situation. There's like five different conversations to have. And I understand all sides of literally all things that happen. The 3-0 swing, the having the hitter, uh, having the hitter throw pitches. Uh, the Tony LaRusa comments, the throwing at the hitter afterwards, the Tony LaRusa comments after that. This is one of the crazy situations that if you really want to have a good conversation, you have to have such an open mind to the other side. And no matter what, you're not coming out of the other side on the other side of that conversation, having a true solidified, you know, reasoning. Like there's old school baseball, there's new school baseball. And this situation just molds them all together in a way where you're not going to get a true answer out of it. Ultimately for me, I want to see the flair. I want to have no restrictions on any players. And I want it to be promoted because this world needs to go, or this sport needs to go worldwide. And you're not going to do it if you keep, to Rob's point, suppressing all the players that want to do it. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of American players who really want to have this flair. The game needs to promote it and it needs to just see, does the world accept us? Because America right now is capped out. There, It's not getting any bigger in this country. So if MLB wants to grow, it's got to be worldwide and you finally have a cast of worldwide players, promote that. Let them do their thing. Draw that entire country into our world by promoting it and letting them do it to their level because that's what those fans are going to want to see, and those are the dollars you want to grab. If you're an owner, you don't want the American dollars. You want the Dominican dollars. You want the Cuban dollars. You want the Asian dollars. You want the Mexico dollars. You want all. You want the Canadian dollars. You want all the other dollars because you've gotten all of America's dollars already. It's, it's, it's wild, man. It's... Look, I, I think the part that sucks the, the most is that this this has to be a conversation, right? And it it, it does hurt the game. It, it does hurt the game. Like, 
I think one of the most telling things that I've, I've seen in baseball was like in the, in the WBC a few years ago where I forgot what it was. I think it was like, was it Ian Kinsler? He said something like, oh, it's good that we weren't playing our type of game or something like that. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about it, but it was obviously like he was talking about like, I believe it was the Dominican team or the Puerto Rican team, whoever it was that they beat in the, in the, the championship that year. And it, bro, look, not for nothing, yo, Americans are pretty fucking boring. Like, bro, like, look at our entertainment right now. Literally, the world is hanging on some, like, social media, um, like, personality, like, boxing people who don't even box. Like, that's, that's where our entertainment value sits right now, right? Like, it, it's a, it's a weird time for, for America. We need a, we need a timeout. Um, <laughs> yo, look, let, let, let's get to, to some of the good stuff, man. And that's going to be our, our players of the week been a pretty awesome week despite some of the big injuries we had and we did have some some pretty big injuries right uh we mentioned mike trout going to il uh giancarlo stanton who had a pretty hard hot start il with the ground the week before that il so you know these big names are, are starting to kind of go down oh we didn't yo we didn't even mention this and it's because i suppressed it in my mind yo albert pujols is a los angeles dodger like stop talking about that that's not funny that's bro gross. it is have you bro. seen him? Yo, he, he looks like... That's all the time needs to be spent on that. Let's move on. Bro, he, he first of all, he's wearing number 55. I'm pretty sure... I think uh, Seager has bro. number five. So he's double, he's double the trouble. Yo, oh, it is... Bro, it is... Man. It is That's disgusting. It, yo, it, it, like, and it looks bad. Like, it looks like when your uncle unretires and says, Yo, you know what? It's time to play some softball again. I'm 50. My kid's a teenager. I can take him to a ballpark and drink some, some presidentes while I'm taking that bats. That's off the old uniform. Let's do it. Like <laughs> his new number is actually his age. It might be his age. He looks fucking old. Like he he looks like like some shit happened to him in his in his uh in his time in life. Yeah, no, look, yo, don't look at it. It like uh, it, it's like looking at a uh, car accident. Like you can't look away and you don't want to talk about, it, but you can't stop talking about it. I'd much rather talk about and view a car accident than Albert Pools. Is that me in a car accident? It'd be, it's way better than it's way worse than a car accident. Oh, oh, like I said, I'd rather see you in a car accident. Like, Yo, what the hell? Yo, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I'm way, I'm way, way, no, not me. <laughs> oh, you kiss your baby mama with that mouth, but um, anyway, yo, let's go, let's go to our players of the week. Nick, since you wish death upon me, you, you can start it off for us, man. We'll, we'll go with the NL first. <laughs> All right, uh, definitely no death upon you or anybody else out there. That, that, no, that's not happening. Um, so my, my pitcher for the week in the NL, ah, man, it's a dog turd. It's Trevor Bauer. Seven innings pitched, 10 Ks, two walks. This guy is backing up his mouth, and it is freaking awesome. Uh, I don't want to like a Dodger, but this guy's working his way up on this list of, of the four or five Dodger jerseys that I would ever actually own if somebody bought it for me. Um, man, he's just dominant. He keeps talking, and he's this is 100%. A billion percent what the game needs. I hate to say it, but a white guy who loves the new game but also respects the old game the right way but also talks and goes out and does it and shoves it. Man, this guy is quickly becoming my one of my favorite players and an MVP just from the way he talks and puts himself out there and then performs. This guy's great for the game. All right, man. Uh, Rob, what about you, bud? Yeah, so... I've, I've mixed it up. Are we doing AL or NL? NL, NL. NL, oh, all right. So in terms of my NL players of the week, yeah, so for the NL, I kind of decided to go with um, another pitcher. And the reason that I decided to go with this guy was because I think he's a guy who doesn't really get attention put on him because of the situation that he's in. Because he's kind of right now essentially behind two other ace-level pitchers. And that's Freddie Peralta of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he had a really good week pitching. He pitched 13 innings. He didn't give up any runs. He had 16 strikeouts. Um, he got one of the wins. But if you look at the team that he faced, he faced the Cardinals and he faced the Atlanta Braves. So that's two pretty good teams to go up against. And, you know, for a guy who's essentially a number three, number four for Milwaukee right now, I mean, they're getting ace-level stuff from just about everyone that they throw out there. And it's it's pretty it's going to be pretty remarkable for them if they're going to try to make a run this year. Very nice, man. Yeah, look, so so my pitcher for the NL, man, I'm, I'm going to have Julio Urias of the Dodgers. 
just had a really good week, right? He, he pitched about 15 innings, just under under an hour of 15 innings. Pretty much averaged a K per. You know, uh, his ERA was a 1-3, whip under .5, which is really good. It, you know, just just overall solid. Uh, the NL itself wasn't wasn't had, didn't have too strong of a week. Uh, you know, Anthony Discofani was probably uh, the next up man. But yo, who's who's your hitter, uh, Rob? Oh, uh, in terms of, of my hitters for for the AL, I decided to go with the guy that. Uh, or no, my hitter for the NL. I decided to go with the guy that I uh, that I mentioned before that I think he's super underrated, and I decided to give it to Trey Turner. I mean, dude's hit over 400 this week. He keeps doing it week in and week out. Underrated part of that Nationals team, and and a big part of their possible contention if they're going to try to come out of the NL East. Yo, I am I am the last person to finally hop on the Trey Turner train. But I'm on it, yo. We got it, yo. Beep, beep, yo, beep, I'm or, telling or you. I'm telling yo, th- yo. There it is. I, I did yo, a truck. he is about. Look, I'm telling you, we're pro- We're getting to the point where I'm like, within the next two years, like maybe even next season. Who knows? But we're probably gonna be talking about Turner as the top shortstop in the game. Like he's that good because oh, yeah, he's doing there. it all. He's yeah. doing it all. Like I-, I have to give this man his credit because look, man, I told you guys, Juan Soto need a sidekick. And Trey Turner is is proven to be that guy. Yo, I don't even say I don't know. If he, I would even say if he's a psyche, man. He's just a he's an Avenger. Like, oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, no disrespect to him. You know, I'm I'm just saying we we all know we all know what I think of Juan Soto. You know, I'm just saying like if Juan Soto need a guy to to be his right hand man in in Washington, Turner is definitely capable of doing the job. There it is, yo Disney. Don't sue us. I was just kidding about the Marvel shit. Relax, like, we good. <laughs> I promise. Yo Nick, who's your, he's gonna be your hitter from DNL. Oh, it's my guy, Nolan Arenado. Uh, so to all the haters out there, how's he doing away from Coors Field full-time? I'll tell you how he's doing. He had 550 last week. Batting average, 550. That means he got a hit in over half of his at-bats, just for everybody out there who doesn't understand batting average. 571 on base, 1.20 on uh, slugging percentage, and then a 1.771 OPS. He's almost averaging a double for every time he sees the plate. That's pretty amazing. Uh, five RBIs, four home runs, seven. Uh, sorry, five runs, four home runs, and seven RBIs. He had no strikeouts last week. Nolan Arenado is killing it at third base in St. Louis, and it's absolutely amazing to watch. Shout out to the current Colorado third baseman, his cousin Josh Fuentes. Eleven RBIs in a week, pretty studly. Yo, first of all, I'd appreciate it if you stopped taking my people, because that's what I was gonna mention as my uh, NL hitter of the week. So. Wait a wait a very late on that one, buddy. But uh, yeah, no, Josh. Great minds think alike. Uh yeah, actually, yo, honestly, if you didn't mention Nolan Arenado, I was gonna mention Nolan Arenado. So I don't like the fact that 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 we're we're agreeing on so much things and that you still want to kill me. Um, yo, Josh Wynn has had <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. an absolutely absolutely crazy week. Look on base at, at a 500 clip, it, it's insane. He was on base half the time. That that's really hard to do. Slugging about 900. 14 RBIs in the, in the last seven days. That is nuts. That is driving people in, like, as your career. That, that is crazy. So, for me, Josh Fuentes. That's Albert Pujols type of RBIs. That is, that is your Albert Pujols type RBIs, and he's also wearing number 55. That's not true. The last part isn't true. Yo, let's go, let's go over to the AL. The AL is also a fun place to play at. Rob, I'm going to start with you because you should say the one name only, and I know exactly who that should be, so go for it. Just, just let, the, let the people know. Do it. Don't don't hesitate. Do it. You already know it's Aaron Judge. You already you already know it's Aaron Judge because the numbers that Aaron Judge put up this past week, I, I already told you. I told you guys before, the Yankees don't go anywhere without Aaron Judge being at an elite level. He has, you know, knock on wood, been able to stay healthy this season for, for the majority of the time. Um, even though they've, you know, sat him some games. But yeah, I mean Judge just put up crazy stat line, 571 batting average, 1.333 OPS. I mean, he was hitting homers basically every game. Um, this is the Aaron Judge that is a legit MVP candidate. Like, it, I mean, this is the Aaron Judge that's the leader in home runs right now, or tied for the lead with, you know, our boy Otani and stuff. And even Mitch Hanniger was in that conversation too, which another guy who could who could be the, the, play, the uh, hitter of the week for the AL as well. So, but yeah, I'm going to give it to my guy Aaron Judge because – 
any time I could take to give the Yankees any type of praise this season because they have not been that great, I'm going to take that opportunity. So, yeah, Aaron Judge. Yo, not that great is an understatement. They've been absolutely terrible. <laughs> Yo, to put that into perspective, in the last seven days, Aaron Judge has four home runs. He only has five RBIs. What's crazier about that stat is yeah. OPS is over 1,500. You know how hard is it to not put up more RBIs than the rest of the numbers he's putting up? He's literally hitting 480. Yeah. It is insane. I mean, nobody nobody gets on base. It's insane. Nobody gets on base. I don't know, I don't know what you want my, my guy to do. Yo, He's doing his job. Like, that. that's about all he can do. Yankees might be the worst team in baseball. Ship it in. I'm, I'm just kidding. Yo, that's, that's, <laughs> they oh they play god. like it sometimes. Though. Oh my god, that's a hot take already. Yo, <laughs> Forty games into the season. Yo, Nick, who, who's your AL Player of the Week? Uh, as far as hitter goes, I'm gonna. You know, I think Judge is gonna get robbed again by Little Man Altuve. Oh my just, lord. Okay. <laughs> Psych. I just want to see what you guys would how you react. No, Aaron Judge. It's clear cut. 429 uh, hit average. 538 on base. 1.048 slugging. 1.586 uh, OPS. Dude is on fire, and for once in his career, he went an entire week with having more walks than strikeouts, and this dude walks a lot, so that's awesome. Uh, they needed him to produce since Stanton went down, and it's gonna. it was awesome for him. I mean, good for Aaron Judge. I think he's one of the faces of the game, even though he changed his teeth, <laughs> and the better success he can have, <laughs> better success he can have, the better for the game, because this dude is a guy you want in front of the cameras, He's got the right, from a baseball perspective, old school MLB. He's got the right attitude. He's got the right humbleness. Like, he just carries himself the right way. From the new school, he's got the flash. He's got the flair. He's got the power. So, this is the good guy for it. Definitely player of the week. Sheesh. So, for me, I I will go to the team that Jose Altuve plays on. But it's nowhere near how Jose Altuve. It's Kyle Tucker. Look, Kyle Tucker has pretty quietly been a really good uh, MLB player. And he kind of doesn't get talked about enough, if at all. Uh, look, man, last seven days on base at a 440 clip, almost half the time. Got three home runs, seven RBIs. Uh, you know, he's pretty much putting up the same numbers as Otani in that time period. His slugging is a little bit less, but that's just because he has like one less home run and, and a little bit under, so, so, you know, less extra base hits. But still, point is, man, Kyle Tucker is doing it up in, in a really good lineup, pretty much keeping Houston alive because Houston, they're, they're pumping again, man. They, they had that little downswing, but they're, they're back to winning games again. Nick, back to you, man, for your AL Player of the Week. AL Pitcher of the Week is Spencer Turnbull. Uh, he had no-hitter, but outside of the no-hitter, he also had a really good week. Um, so if you take away his no-hitter, 6.1 innings pitched, seven strikeouts in those innings. Um, he still only had a couple hits and one earned run for the week. So just an absolute great week. And to throw on top of his success outside of the no-hitter, he had a no-hitter, so... <laughs> Clearly Spencer Turnbull for me. Yeah, I know you, you, you like picking those no hitter guys, like some kind of some kind of lame. This week is this week is very well deserved because he had the second start and he was dominant in that second start for the two games. 0.59 ERA, which was the best for all starters in the American League, and 0.59 WHIP and a 0.115 batting average against. 16 strikeouts in 15.1 innings with only three walks. He definitely deserved it. Lame. Yo, Rob, what's up? Who, who's your pitcher of the week? Yeah, I'm gonna have to be lame too because I gave it to the guy with the no hitter. <laughs> I think I think it's just getting to the point where it's just like, man, it's too much. I'm just like, look, if you throw a no hitter, you're gonna get my vote because someone someone's gonna end up getting mad. And I'm just like, look, you 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 no hit a team, you deserve it, take it. Like that's it. I'm giving it to Turnbull. All right, all right. Like I'm not giving it to Turnbull. Just. Just out of pure stubbornness. Yeah, no, nah, I got it. You got to spice man. it up. You never do. Not one you gotta, time. You got to spice you. it up. You get it. Get if it. you gave it to Turnable, we would be worried. You should be worried. <laughs> that means that there's something extremely wrong with me, or that I got kidnapped. Yo, look, I'm gonna give it to to Hyun Ryu. I, I can't say that. Hyun Jinru Ryu. He can't say his name. He can't be your. No, MVP. too bad. He's my pitcher of the week. Look, he, he had a crazy week, man. Look, 15 innings, uh, killed it. ERA 0.64, whip. 0.7, just absolutely. All higher than Spencer Turnbull for the same amount no, of innings. You know what, though? You know what, though? I don't, no. care. I this, don't care. This time, because Spencer Turnbull had two in the week. This time, you are actually wrong. Look, Turnbull obviously had the better week, right? Like, let's not go crazy. Turnbull, Turnbull had the better week. I think you have to be blind and a little bit on the, on the, on the slower side to not know that. Look, Turnbull had a crazy week. 
He's absolutely the, the best player in the the best pitcher in the AL last week. But you gotta show love around, man. And look, Ryu had a great week too for 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 the Blue Jays. And I got and I got next week. We'll do the who had a great week uh, award session. That's what I do for every week. What do you mean? <laughs> that, that's pretty much my job. Just throw just throw random names out there. If, if somebody got to do it. You're going to pick Rick Ankiel next week. Rick Yo, Ankiel is going to be the best hitter in the NL and best pitcher in the NL. Rick Ankiel has been mentioned more in the last two weeks than he has in his entire career before this. Nah, that's not true. He's true got, story. Got a lot somebody got Rick Ankiel to, to show up for an interview, you know? Yo, that's... You know what? If you keep mentioning his name, it might be like that thing where Red Rum, Red Rum in the Mirror, like something pops up. Am I thinking about the wrong movie? I don't know. I don't... I don't <laughs> What movie with Rick Ankiel? No, in? what's that movie with the Red Rum? Red Rum, like the kid with the finger, or like Red Rum? The Shining. Is that that was? I've never seen it. Is that is that where it's come from? Oh uh, yeah, The Shining. So. Yeah, that's the right. Shining. You say Red Rum three times or some shit, or am I thinking of other movies? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't work. Jack Nicholson did not buy me tickets to a Lakers game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's exactly what you say, but <laughs> bro, I don't. Know. That Red Rum is from The Shining. Bro, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. Yo, <laughs> just like your picks of the week for pitchers. I look. Somebody has to change it up. I, I, I will be the, I will be the flair ah, that's what to, I'm to your greatest. You're the spice. Exactly. I. You're right. Let's promote your flair to the Dominican Republic. Yo, honestly, the only person that should have won it is uh, what's it called, Francisco Lindor for his green ass hair. Like, did you see that shit? It looked like a, a green yeah. snow cone. I don't know if I like it or not. I'll be honest, with you, I don't like it. Like, I can't pull it off. Yeah, I, but I don't have flair. I don't like it. <laughs> yo, hey, yo, leave my guy alone. Yo, what are you Puerto Ricans doing out there with all this hairspray, bro? Like. Every hey, year, there's something, something else. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll go, he's going to paint it back to blonde when we finally are able to get, like, a World Baseball Classic, you know? Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. Yo, yo, look. That, that, that's it for us. We're, we're done. We're done. Once we start talking about Altuve's hair, it's it's about that time, you know? So, look, we'll catch you guys next time. It's been real. Yo, you guys got anything to end on before we get out of here, though? Rob, Nick? Hey, man. Yo, one quick point. There was something interesting I saw on Twitter today, and I wanted to toss it to you guys because I don't, I didn't know the answer. But has there ever been a pitcher starting the All Star game and also DHing? No. So this year, because someone, yeah, someone threw out the possibility of Otani doing that in the AL this year, and I mean, I don't know, it's a cool concept, but then at the same time, I'm like, I'd be down as long as it doesn't cost someone a position on the team. Like, as long as they yeah. don't count that as, like, two spots or something, then I'm like, yeah. Like, that's fine if you give Otani an at-bat. But I'm just like, as long as it doesn't cost somebody an opportunity to make the All-Star team. But that would be pretty sick if Otani does end up starting and and hitting in the All-Star game. Oh, he I, will. I hope he does. Sure. I hope, I hope yeah. you just hit him leadoff, you know what I mean? Nah, MLB, MLB's going to push for that. Yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, that's already set in stone. Even LaRusso is like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Yo, Nick, what you yeah, got for I don't me, know. Man? I don't know if we should follow Tony LaRusso, though. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like that's a that's a that's a to be determined. Let's let's see what he does for the rest of this year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, for me, uh, just I'm I'm looking forward to Degrom's return. I hope it's this week, not just from a fantasy perspective, but from just a baseball perspective. Uh, I as much as the Trout injury sucks, sorry, nobody watches Trout. They don't. I mean, he's not even. He's not even the most popular guy in L.A. because the Dodger fans are all about Mookie Betts and he's the greatest in the land and all that stuff. And then Walker Buehler's the greatest pitcher we've ever seen. And Corey Seager's the best showstop we've ever seen since Kyle Ripken Jr. So, uh, I, man, I can't wait for DeGrom to get back. He, as Rob has said multiple times, and it's so true, is absolutely must-watch baseball. It's crazy because this year Garrett Cole has been just about as good as DeGrom. And DeGrom is dominating all the headlines, and everybody is fully on the DeGrom is the best pitcher in the game side, which is correct, but it's crazy how close they are, but yet DeGrom is still the name that everybody talks about. He needs to get back in, in a hurry. There it is, man. There it is. Look, I got nothing for you. I'm, I'm done, yo. We'll, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs> You're out of baseball. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network, head to our website at tssaw.com, and do not forget to subscribe. See you all next week, and we'll catch you on the field.